You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestoakville.ca. Amen. Thank you for your warm welcome. It's amazing to me that uh, five years ago this week, we were hired by Harvest Oakville uh, to plant Harvest Bible Chapel Niagara. And uh, so faithful God's been to us. The glory story you saw was one from from our church of things that God is doing. Uh, But over those five years, we've come to know and love uh, not just Pastor Robbie, uh, not just John and the elders, but uh, the whole church family here at at Oakville. Uh, For we're in this together, amen? And we're laboring for the gospel. So it's such a privilege to open up the word of God with you this morning. Thank you, elders, for giving me this honor. Uh, Let's just get right to it. Philippians uh, chapter 1 is where we will be. And uh, before, as you get your Bibles, I'll just hold on to them for a minute. I'm just going to pray before we get right into it and uh, ask that the Lord uh, be upon us. We know, we know for sure that nothing happens apart from the spirit of the living God. So let me ask uh, that God do a great work in us this morning through uh, his word. Let me pray for us today. Father, we thank you for uh, the amazing privilege of being called children of the Most High God. Father, we say those words so quickly, but we have a hard time comprehending the vastness of not just who you are, but the reality of our salvation. The reality that you've reached down and saved sinners like me, like us, and pulled us out of the miry pit and put our feet on solid ground. God, we're just thankful for that today. We're thankful you've opened our eyes to see and our hearts to understand the reality of Jesus Christ. We're thankful, God, that you've begun a good work in us. And God, we pray this morning that as we open up your word, oh, Father, I pray that your word would penetrate every single soul in this place. May we not be here this morning, God, to put a check mark on a list and say, church is done for the weekend, now we can go on and have some more fun. But God, may we be here today to encounter Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that the words out of these lips would not be taken as a word from man to man, but a word from the living God through a man to our hearts. Oh God, that's our prayer for this morning. Speak to us, God. Thank you for your word, which is so alive and so vital. And so life-giving, God, we long for your life today. Speak to us, God, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. All right, the book of Philippians this morning, we're just going to dive right in. The book of Philippians chapter 1 is where we're going to be. The book was written so regular, everyday people like you and I could know the overflowing joy of the reality of Jesus Christ. And, and I'm so excited about this text today, I'm not even going to give you an introduction you know those times where you go out for dinner and you're just so excited about the main course and the appetizers come, we want an appetizer? No way, I just want the main course. I'm saving everything for the main course. You know those times? You guys can inter- interact with me this morning. Our church, I encourage to say yes, to nod, to shout out if you want. Just don't tell me to stop preaching. That's all you cannot do. <laughs> That's where I'm at today. I'm just excited to get into this main course. And it's only going to be one verse. It's a short little passage, a short little uh, verse. But It's rich. And it's full. It's chapter 1, verse 6 of Philippians. Here's the simplicity of what God wants to teach us today. And I am sure of this, he tells us. Paul, speaking to the Philippian church. That he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. 
And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. That is a resounding amen this morning. This is an amazing verse of reassurance and joy in the Lord. I know that we need to be exhorted as followers of Jesus Christ. We're like dumb sheep. I'm the same. I need to be exhorted so often. But there's the other side of things that I also need to be encouraged so often in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Because life is hard. Life is tough. And one of Satan's greatest tactics on believers today, I believe, is to implant this idea in our minds that God is not working in me anymore. And it robs us of our joy. It robs us of our love of God, our, our devotion to the things of God. Ever been there? Where you start wondering, is God still working in me? I've been there more often times than I'd like to admit. But those seasons of drought or hardship and this life just seems so difficult and you start wondering, you're looking at everybody else's lives and their lives seem fantastic. You start wondering, is God still working in me? Well, you take some time to think about where you came from and, and how at first, when you first became saved, Jesus Christ worked in you so deeply and it was, you were so alive and on fire. You look at your life now and you're starting to wonder, like, remember when, but is God still working in me in the same way? Or even you look at the glory stories, the God at work stories that we show you on the screen to encourage you and motivate you and you leave church saying, that was amazing for that person. Look what God has done in them, but how come not me? Like, is God still working in me? Anyone ever been there? This is a, a, a verse that reminds us that God is at work in me today. It's so easy to start to believe that maybe Christ is finished with me and, and stop looking for the activity of God, but, but the genuine spiritual joy of our hearts comes from realizing this truth, God is not done with me yet, amen. And so just two points today that I want to pull out of this with a third one just tacked on the end for good measure, but the first main point is this, it's simply God has started a beautiful work in me. God has started a beautiful work in me. This is the testimony of every follower of Jesus Christ that should never get old, that should never get boring, that should never, you should never get tired of sharing that. God has started a good work in me, a beautiful work in me. To help you understand the context of this, this is Paul brimming with confidence for his prized church, his cherished church, reminding them that God is at work in them. It's not an arrogant bravado, a cockiness of like, oh, look at my church. It's so obvious that God is at work in you. It's really a, a deep down, humble inner assurance that God is the captain of the ship at Philippi, and he is navigating their individual lives with complete control and utter precision. Look how it starts. And I am sure of this. Paul is confident of this. There's a lot of things to be confident about in life that we're tempted to put confidence in. You know, our bank accounts, our prestige, our abilities, even our looks. Obviously, that's not the case for me. But Paul's reminding them, I'm sure of this. There's one thing to be confident about, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Circle that little word in your Bible. It's a little word, but it's got massive implications for not just this verse, but for the whole book. It's the word he. Circle that word in your Bibles with me this morning. Because this whole beautiful work that God started in you and I starts with he. 
him, God, God himself, the Alpha and Omega, the mighty king, the bright and morning star. This is where God started everything. He's the one who started everything in us. And he started a good work in us. What is this good work that this passage is talking about? There's only a couple times in the New Testament this phraseology is used. This began a work or begun, God beginning something is used here. And it's used also in Galatians 3.3 where Paul encourages the Galatian church to not strive to finish in the flesh what God has begun in the spirit. And so clearly the good work that God is that Paul is talking about here that we're reminded of is not the good work of you and I leaving this place and I'm going to do some good work for God and God's going to do some good work in other people's lives, but in fact, it's the good work that God has done in us through the gospel of Jesus Christ and salvation. This is truly a miracle. Sometimes we read little passages like this, we just skip them over because we see them everywhere. It's one of the most common passages on, on different places that we post up there. But yet to think of the implications of God starting a good work of salvation in me is simply awesome. We sometimes get so excited about child physical birth and ch- birth of new kids, and we, we know that's a miracle in and of itself. You ever stop to think about the miracle of childbirth? If you've ever been in the room where a child has been born, you sit there and your mind is blown. You're like, this is an utter miracle. It truly is, but yet it's nothing compared to the miracle of new birth in your soul by Jesus Christ. It's one thing for a a baby to come out of a womb. It's another thing for God himself to send his only begotten son, Jesus, to earth to live and to die on the cross for wretched sinners like you and I, people who hated God, who turned our backs on God, who wanted nothing to do with God, and yet God in his grace sent his son looking for us, and he found us, and he looked in our eyes and helped us see the reality. That's that's an amazing, that's an amazing miracle. That's That's the greatest miracle of all time. Yet I realize in our Christian lives, we can so often move past, move past this salvation thing and think there's something greater. There's something greater than there is. There's heaven, but yet, but yet what about the awesome reality of our salvation? Is that still real and alive in you today? Consider with me a few things about, about salvation, the amazing work. It's not just a good work. It's an amazing work. It's a glorious work. Consider with me a few things about the, the, the realities of salvation that God has started in you to help you get the full meaning and significance of simply this, these two words, good work. Our salvation is first and foremost this, it's completely planned by God. Ephesians 1, 3 to 6 tells us that as a believer that God has chosen us before the foundation of the world, long before you were on your parents' minds, long before you even took your first breath, long before the world was even began, guess what? You were in God's plans to create you and to draw you to himself to to be one of his children. Acts 13, 48 says the same thing in a different way. It says, as many as were appointed by God believed in Jesus. God's planned salvation, just understand this is not some random chance. It's not because you're smart enough to figure out that there's a God out there. It's because God had planned for this good work to start in you from before you even realized that there was a God that existed. That takes, out, takes upon so much more meaning than like, look, look what I found, and, and I'm pretty good. Look what I stumbled across by chance. No way. God planned a good work in you, and, and God's plan was not just 
a frivolous plan. It was a purposeful plan. The second P of salvation, of the good work, God purposed, he handpicked you to be a recipient of his grace for his purposes. Think back to when you were a kid in the schoolyard and the two captains were choosing teams. We all went through this. Consider this, that God purposefully chose you to be on his team for all of history to accomplish his purposes in the world. This is amazing. What's his purposes? That his glory would shine through your life. Think of the Old Testament. Why did he choose Israel? Why did he choose this little weak nation? Simply that he could show the world and reveal to the world the glory of a living God through a small, weak people. The same reason he chose you and I. 2 Samuel 7, 23 says that God chose Israel to make a name for himself. That the world would see his glory through this nation. 2 Timothy 1.9 says that God has saved us and called us to a holy calling set apart for him to reveal him to the world around us. God didn't just save you and start a good work in you for no reason at all. He started this good work in you on purpose that you might be his ambassador to the world and live a life for the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh, the good work of God in us. Let this be an encouragement to you today, the good work of God in us. The biblical reality of this you see throughout the whole Old and New Testament is, is, is simply this, as we think of the, the reality of our salvation this morning again, it's, it's yes, God did die for the sins of the world. John 3.16 tells us that he did, he did send out the mass email to everybody. He did put up billboards around the world to show us the reality of the cross of Jesus Christ. But if you're a believer in Jesus today, he went a step beyond just the mass invitation. He actually sought you out, found you at your house, knocked on the door of your heart and offered you an invitation to to come and receive Jesus so glorious that you could not, that you could not not say no. This is the good work that God started in us. And when you said yes to this invitation, when you said, yes, God, I see that I need Jesus Christ. I see that I want Jesus Christ. I see that I don't need anything more than Jesus Christ. Yes, I will humbly accept this offer. That's when God began the good work in you. And that's when you became born again, the Bible says, in Jesus Christ. That's the good work we're talking about here in this passage. I just want to take a little pause from this to emphasize that uh, this good work in us is not the same as God working on us. Because this can be misconstrued. There might be people here that have not yet accepted that invitation that thinks that God's working in them, but that might not be the case. There's a difference between God working on us and God working in us. And you see in this passage, he's encouraging the believers that God has started a good work in you. So that's the key to this whole thing. The good work of salvation is happening in you. Bible clearly tells us in many places, John 14 and John 16, a couple of them, the Holy Spirit, before we're saved, actively is engaged in the world around us and is actively engaged in pursuing people to know Jesus Christ. And God is working on different people's hearts, maybe even in this room today, the same way he worked on my heart before I became saved. He's pursuing us and working on us, but that doesn't mean that God is working in you yet. What does it mean for God to be working on you? The Bible tells us those little, those little aha moments we have. Those, those, you might be here today and you're just checking this out and you're not in the faith of follower of Jesus yet, but you're just kind of checking this out. You're having these little aha moments along the way, like your eyes are being opened a little bit to like, wow, this actually might be true. Uh, I thought these believers were a bunch of crazies, but now I'm starting to see that there's something to 
what they're talking about and believing, that's God working on you to bring you to a point where you receive the invitation of Jesus. Even those times where you leave church, you're like, man, that was so convicting. God's working on you. But we all know that we can leave church convicted and go on our merry way and live our lives the same as we lived Monday to Sunday. And God not to change us. We're starting to see, we're starting to believe, we're starting to be convicted a little bit. We're starting to realize that, man, my sin is not just a little error that I made. My sin is a monumental affront to a holy God. And there's deep consequences of that sin. You're starting to see that. But then you go on your way and you start thinking that, great, I have these little God moments. I'm having these little Jesus moments, but but I'm going to be determined to try and fix my own life and reform myself and get a little more into religion. That's not yet God working in you. If that's you here this morning, you sense that God's working on you, but you don't know if God's working in you yet. The God working in you starts when you, you stop running from the pounding of the door on your heart and you stop and say, okay, God, I will not run any longer. I will stop and submit and humbly surrender my life to you. That's when God starts working in you. And when God starts working in you, you know. There's no denying that God is working in you. If you're here today, you're like, I'm not sure if God is working on me or in me. If you don't know if God's working in you, chances are he's not yet because when the Holy Spirit moves in, there's no denying to you or the world around you that God is working in your life. If you're a believer today and God is working in your life, this is one of our greatest joys, that God is working in me today. Not because I'm good, not because I'm smart, but because God in his grace has called me out of the world. An ongoing evidence of him in my life is continually a work in me. What are some of the evidences of God at work in me compared to on me? Here's how you know if God is working in you and not on you. First thing is this, I start to see differently. This is evidence of the work of God in me is I start to see differently the world around me. You ever been to a 3D theater before? They now have 4D theaters, which totally blows my mind. But the 3D theaters where you walk in, everything seems normal. You put on a pair of those 3D glasses, and all of a sudden everything starts popping out at you. That's what happens when God moves to work in you. The spiritual truths that you've known in your head all of a sudden become alive to you, and they pop out at you. And the spiritual realm becomes not just a something you talk about, but something that you're living. Jesus and his biblical truths become alive. Things that didn't make sense before start to make sense to you now. Jesus becomes not just a historical figure on the wall, but a reality in your heart. And you start seeing God's hand all over your life in places you never expected to see. You just see the world differently now. Your worldview is completely rattled by the grace of God. That's evidence of God working in you, and that doesn't stop until the day you die. Number two is this, I'll start thinking differently. That's what I see differently, I think differently. I have a complete perspective change. You understand the world and your role in it in a brand new way. No longer can you go on just living your life. You see a purpose and a meaning and a hope for your life. And the word of God becomes so much more than just a textbook that you pull out once in a while to get some more head knowledge about. It becomes the instrument that God uses to actively shape your mind to things that you used to think were okay, you now realize they're not okay with deeper conviction. 
The things you thought were wrong, you now see yourself getting all fired up. Oh, this is ex- I used to hate this way. Now this is exactly who I want to be. Increasingly, you find there's a gap between the way you think and the way that everyone at work thinks. Because Jesus Christ is actively at work in you. You see differently. You think differently. And finally is this. You just become different. Not different as in like, wow, that's different. You become different as in like, wow, this is the way I was supposed to be. This is the way it's, I was made to be. It's just like the song, the, one of my favorite childhood songs. Anyone heard of DC Talk? Anyone 40 and over heard of DC Talk? That's good. Just like DC Talk said way back in the late 80s, early 90s, there's something strange going on inside of me. This is evidence of God at work in you. Remember when I first became saved, I humbled myself and said, God, I've been trying to do this all by myself, and, and I've been trying to do this thing. I can't do it. And I got on my face literally before God and said, God, I give up. I need you, Jesus. He started doing things to me. I'm thinking, this is just weird. But it was a good weird. The, the, the world I used to love, my goals and ambitions were all completely started to change. started living for not myself anymore, but for Jesus. If this is your testimony, you'll say yes, amen to these things as well. And my testimony is not your testimony, but the reality of God at work in me means he is reorganizing your life in a way that you can only say, that's God and that's not me. Some of you here, just like Charles in our video, you used to drown your sorrows in a bottle. Now you soak it up in the word of God. God at work in you. Some of you used to isolate yourself from people and now you can't get enough of God's people and you want to be in a small group and open yourself up to people because because God is alive and God is changing you. Some of you used to let your tongue run wild. That'd be me. But now you let your tongue run wild for a new purpose and a new way for Jesus Christ. Under control of the Holy Spirit, the sinful indulgences that some of you used to have that used to control, you are now in submission to God and everything is radically different because of God at work in you. If this is you today, I just want to tell you, this is the hope of believers. This is what we live for. This ought to cause us to not just sit here and listen to him. Something ought to be rattling around if you're a believer. There's something about to rattle around your soul going, yes, I want to shout right now. I want to stand up and dance, and believe me, I don't dance. Not just because of my Baptist background, because I can't dance. But at home, we dance. Why? Because God's at work in us. And there's nothing greater in the universe than God at work in me. This is what we're created for, brothers and sisters. God working in me, there's nothing greater, no greater ambition, no greater hope, no greater purpose than simply resting in the reality of the truth of our salvation, God alive in me. And this should never get old. You should never get bored talking about the fact of what God is doing in your life today. Not yesterday, not a few years ago, but today. This is the joy of the believer. And if you're not a believer today, I don't want you to feel left out of this message because God's reality, the the truth of the gospel is this. If you're realizing today that God is not at work in you, 
that you've got a lot of head knowledge of God, but you've never experienced a true heart change in Jesus Christ, you're here today because God has planned on purpose for you to be here, to hear this message, to finally stop running from God. You've been feeling him knocking on your heart for a long time, maybe. Maybe just for a couple weeks, but stop running from God and say, God, I want you to not work on me any longer. I want you to work in me because I want to know the life that you bring that everybody's singing about and everyone's got a smile on their face. What I want that in me. That could be you today. I encourage you right now in the quietness of your seat to say, God, I, I surrender. I need Jesus. I want, I, I want to be different. I want to see differently. I want to think differently. I want to be different in Jesus. It's a little scary, but this is the reality of why you were created, to have an intimate relationship with your God and your Savior. And that can happen today. And as you do that, like the rest of us, there's moments of temptation to turn back. There's moments of discouragement, but we realize we could never go back. Because that old life is empty, it's void, it's nothing compared to the new life we have in Jesus. And we can never go back for a second reason because God has made a promise in the second half of this verse that he will bring to completion our salvation at the day of Jesus Christ. That not only has God started a beautiful work in me, but God will finish the second point you can write down, God will finish everything he begins. God will finish everything he begins. I find this an amazing reality because so often I think my mind and my heart goes to that natural default of great God started and now I gotta somehow finish this. And I try so stinking hard and I fail every time I try so hard. And there's some days I think, and this, this work is never gonna get done because I fail to realize it's God who started it, it's God who's doing it, it's God who's gonna finish it. And so as believers, our assurance and our confidence isn't in our own selves and our own abilities, it's in the God who started the work is gonna finish the work in me. This word will means he will do it. Underline that word will in your Bible. There's a little circle over he by now, I hope. There'll be a couple little underlines behind will because this is the assurance of God's word today. He will bring it to completion. Again, so often as believers, we, we glory in the power of the cross of salvation. We glory in the power of the cross and then we glory in the coming of Jesus and the heaven's gonna be awesome. I can't wait to be perfected, but we forget that in the meantime, God is perfecting and completing the work in us and the same power that saved us is the same power that's gonna complete the work in us until the day we meet Jesus. If God started this work in us, he will fully and finally finish it to accomplish all of his purposes. Get this. This passage means this, get this, that God's start and God's finish are equally powerful. God's start and God's finish are equally powerful. We're not like that, are we? Anyone here a good starter, not a good finisher? Okay, a few guys are honest, and the wives are nudging all the men, so I'll start there. Okay, guys, like, we can acknowledge that, right? We're good starters, not good finishers. Think home renos. We buy all this stuff as we sit in the garage for a long time. Think little projects around the house. A month ago, I walked out to the garage to clean the garage, and I was so fired up about cleaning the garage. In the morning I got to the garage, I couldn't remember why I was in the garage. <laughs> I went in the house of Ruth, why I was in the garage, she did to clean it. Oh, yeah. So I started the cleaning job, and I got everything in a, instead of one big pile, nice little piles. 
And that's where it sat until yesterday. <laughs> Finally finished the job, but we're good starters and not good finishers. Like, let's just be honest. I'm not going to get to the fitness thing because that's just a fail for all of us. <laughs> but women, if you're honest, you can admit that too. I thought of a bunch of examples for women. My wife said no to all of them. <laughs> so I'll just say this. Women, think of the one or two projects in your life you didn't finish just so God could show you you're just like your husband after all. <laughs> we are such a people who can easily get fired up about something, then get sidetracked, we can lose interest, we can get too busy, we can run out of resources, and some of us feel like our lives are a bunch of unfinished business, but guess what? God's not like that. But we start thinking that God's just like us, but yet he's not like us at all. What God starts, he finishes. If he starts it, he will finish it every single time. He's not gonna maybe do it in the way we think he should do it. He's not going to do it in the way we want him to do it, maybe, but guess what? He will finish what he starts in our lives. You guys all know this little hotel at the end of this road called the Sandman? I've driven past that thing now for five years. <laughs> Thinking that it was done, it was dead, there's no hope for that place. When are they bringing the bulldozers to tear them down, Right? And then miraculously this year, all of a sudden, it's like, wow, there's work on that place, and now it's finished, and I might even stay there one day if I had to. <laughs> I'd given up hope on that place. And yet, obviously, I didn't see behind the scenes. There was a lot of things going on, people rearranging, maybe finances or trying to get permits. I don't know what was going on, but something was going on, but there was still work going on in that place, to so now it's perfected and usable. That's what God's doing in our lives. This is the reality of, of the fact that God will bring to completion what he starts. God will never leave one of his children half finished. You might write yourself off. You might write off other people. You might think God's forgotten, but guess what the truth of God's word is today that God has not forgotten and God will finish what he started. He never loses interest, never gets sidetracked, never gets busy with more important people or issues and never runs out of resources ever. And you can't stop him from slowing down what he means to do with your life. You can't drop out of his plan. You can't opt for a better deal. Even total failure on your part, if you're a child of God today, God will use to achieve his perfect plan in your life. That is awesome. Romans 8.30 says this, those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Glorified is a future act that God is saying in the past tense. You know why? Because in God's eyes, it's as good as done. Doctrine of the perseverance of the saints right here is what it is. God started it. You don't have to sweat. He will finish it. This is one of the most inspiring passages of all times. This is one that I could use a heavy dose of every single day. This is why you see it cross-stitched on your grandma's pillow. This is why you see it etched on the side of coffee cups and plastered on bumper stickers and, and everywhere because this is one of the, the amazing realities of believers is that we have this God who started a work in us who will not leave us hanging until the day that we die. This is the great joy of believers. And oh, how I need this message over and over and over again. 
Daily I need this reminder that God's at work, God's at work, because so often life gets extremely difficult. Life has its way of plowing us down. Satan moves into this mindset of like, God's done. It's hopeless. Give up. And yet God reminds us today that God has not given up and will not give up on you. I realize I need this every day, but there's certain times in my life where I need to realize this and realize it more and more. One of those times is simply this, as we journey, as we journey across this sea of life to that celestial shore, one of the times I need to hear this message the most is the times where I fall off the boat. The times where I think I'm doing well for the Lord, I'm paddling my little heart out for heaven and I'm doing the things that I know I'm supposed to do, my eyes are fixed and then... For some reason, I decide to stand up in the boat because I think I'm doing well and a big wave comes and bam, it nails me to the point where I'm in the wave. I get so discouraged those times where you've been fighting your sin and you've been fighting your sin and fighting your sin and out of nowhere, that sin you've been fighting your whole life seems to flood back over you and you're incapacitated by your sin. Ever been there? Or you look at your relationships with maybe your spouse or your closest friends, maybe your relationship with God, and you realize that your walk with God used to be so strong and vibrant, and now you've fallen off the boat. Those times you're beaten down, you just realize more and more that, man, my character is so flawed. I get beaten down by your character flaws and your fails to the point where you realize you think I'm becoming less like Jesus instead of more like Jesus. These are the times we need to hear this the most. What God wants to not just whisper in your ear today, he wants to shout to you today and say, I'm not done with you yet. I'm not done with you yet. I'm still working even though you feel like a complete failure today and you feel like you've let not just God down but everybody and you're floundering around in the sea wishing you were back on the boat. Here's what the gospel of Jesus Christ says to you today. He says, don't just hold on to the side of the boat. Don't tread water. Call out to the captain of the ship, Jesus, who is always at the side ready to simply do this to pull us back as soon as we reach out to him. God's not done with you yet. God's still working. You might not be able to see it. You might not feel it, but believe it today and turn to Jesus by faith and know that God has so much more work in you to do. That's the first time I need to hear this the most. I fall off the boat often. Oh, but you're a pastor. You're Mr. Spiritual. I'm not. I'm just like you guys. I struggle and I fight it. Yet God reminds me that you just gotta reach out every time he pulls you back on the ship. The second time I need to hear this message a lot, I'm sure you're the same as when I'm totally stuck. When I am simply just rowing for all I'm worth for heaven and I am doing what God wants me to do and yet I don't understand it but there's a current coming the other way and it is, I am exasperatedly rowing but nothing seems to be happening. There's no progress being made it seems in my life. Maybe you're not splashing around in your own sin and living a life that you know you shouldn't live but you are just struggling with feeling like you're stuck today, stuck across the board but especially in your relationship with God. Anyone ever get stuck? And start wondering if God's not working those seasons of drought that God actually brings us through on purpose to strengthen our faith, but we start wondering and doubting if God's at work. Maybe the word of God has become stale to you. Maybe your prayer life, maybe your prayer life is just simply non-existent. 
Maybe everything inside just feels dead. You're stuck and you can't figure it out and you feel like at this point where you're like, man, I'm just at this point where, you know what, I I just want to jump off the boat because that'd be easier than trying to row and I'll just jump off the boat. What God wants you to know today is don't jump off the boat. Keep paddling. God is at work and he's allowed this season in your life on purpose to grow you in your faith and to strengthen you and to help you see Jesus more clearly. Don't jump off the boat today. Keep rowing. You know what's going to happen? The winds are going to change and the current is going to change. And one day you'll find if you keep rowing, you'll be on that path again. Sailing towards heaven the way that you know you were meant to do. Not too long ago, I came up to this point in my life where I just was discouraged. I felt stuck. Had the grace of a friend of mine to look me square in the eye and say, you can't give up. God's not done with you yet. Let me be that friend to you today. You can't give up today. God's not done with you yet. What he started, he will finish. The third way, time I need to hear this word is completely different scenario. It's when I'm sailing along, when things are super good. When I feel like the winds of the sails at my back and I feel like I am not just Christian, I am super Christian. God's looking at me and he must have a bigger smile for me because, man, I am doing so good. What's wrong with the rest of these people? Where's God's activity in your life? I'll tell you where God's working in my life. You don't want to be reminded of again? It's it's God. It's God who's working in me for his purpose. It's not me. If you're reminded of this, to to get off my self-reliance train and get onto the dependence on God boat. Because that's where you find the most of God's activity in your lives. The less you are, the greater he is. You stay down, God will keep you up. You stand up, you know what happens. It serves us well, all of us today, to get our eyes onto Jesus Christ and realize these great truths that he who began a good work in me, put your name in there, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Quite simply, God's a finisher of his work. God is a finisher of his work. You ever walked into an artist's studio before? You'll find completely done paintings, three-quarters done murals, half-done banners, quarter-done projects. If you ever walk into an artist's room, you'll find different projects in all different states and affairs and you can look at that project and look at it like, man, I wonder what this is going to look like when it's older, when it's finished. And I wonder what this one's going to look like when it's finished. I wonder what this one's going to look like when it's finished. And if you were to ask the artist, you're going to finish these things, you know what they're going to say to you? Absolutely, in the right time, when the right inspiration comes, in the way that it's going to be the best. But there's never a doubt in the artist's mind of whether they're going to finish those paintings or not. You know where this is going. Jesus is the Picasso of our lives and what he starts, he will finish in his time, in his way to bring himself the most glory. And if you submit yourself to Jesus Christ and allow him to paint the picture of your life, at the end of your life, you will find this magnificent mural that you would have never thought of when it was in the quarter done stage or the half done stage or the three quarters done stage. You'll find this perfect mural of your life that you will look back and say, I could have never painted that, only Jesus. 
And the little autograph at the bottom of every believer's painting to give the credit is Jesus Christ. And this is reason for us, brothers and sisters, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and no other. This is reason for us to not just sing songs, but to worship God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. This is reason, brothers and sisters, to give ourselves to service of the Lord in everything and anything as we live this life. We can give ourselves to a lot of things, nothing greater than service to the Lord. This, brothers and sisters, ought to engulf our hearts with hope and joy. This is what being a Christian is all about. This is where the life of Jesus is that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion when? At the day of Jesus Christ. When's the work done? The day of Jesus Christ. That's why I tacked a third point on here because I don't want anyone in here sitting back going, great, God's done it, God's gonna finish it, now I just gotta sit in my seat and see what's gonna happen. That's not the whole point of this passage. The whole point of this passage is now that we see God started it and we see God's doing it, that we can have hope and look forward to living a life full out for the glory of God, knowing that he has much more in store for me yet. That's the last point I want you to write down quickly. God has so much more in store for me. It's not done until the day of the Lord comes. The day of the Lord is a time where we face God in judgment, the the time where God comes for us and brings us into his presence. That's when the work is completed. That's when the glorification takes place. So until that time, God is always working. That's great hope for us as believers. It means that God has so much more in store for me yet. I'm not done. There's more. The Christian life isn't looking in the rearview mirror going like, wow, God did such a great work and and that was fantastic. Now I just gotta wait for heaven. No, the glory of the Christian life is like, God, what do you have in store for me today? What's in store for me tomorrow? What, What left of this life are you going to use for your kingdom? If you look down to verse nine, Paul makes this point clear. So often we get caught up in just stopping there so we think there's nothing for me to do, but yet Paul's saying there's so much more that God has for us as believers. He gives them this, and so they're not just sitting back on their couches now waiting for Jesus to come back, saying he's he started, he's gonna finish it. He gives them motivation to keep going hard after Jesus Christ, to keep pursuing the things that God pursues, to keep pursuing Jesus Christ with everything you have. It says in verse nine, and it is my prayer, because of these truths, it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. So there's more love to grow in as believers in Jesus Christ. We might think we're doing well in love, there's more love to grow in. For God and for others, with knowledge and all discernment, and you put those two together, you have wisdom. There's no more wisdom for us to grow, and there's more of God's activity of wisdom he wants to do in your life. So that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God the Father. There's more holiness for us to experience in Jesus Christ. We're not done yet, which means there's more love, more wisdom, more holiness, more of God's fruit in our lives to experience. And we get it. Life is difficult. We get it. Life doesn't always go the way we think it should. We get it, there's room for discouragement that the enemy wants to put in our hearts to rob us of our joy and our life in Christ to, with this idea that God is done working in me and yet this morning God wants to tell us he's not done yet. He is so not done yet with our lives. So let's together today celebrate what God has done. 
I pray celebrate what God is doing and look forward to all that God is going to do. This is the beauty and the glory of living the Christian life in Jesus Christ. This is our hope and our joy as believers that God is at work in me. And I pray this is a testimony of every soul in this place to the glory of God. Let me pray. God, we thank you for life. We thank you for the life of Jesus. We thank you for allowing us the privilege of being called your children and allowing us to come into this place here today and to hear great truths of you, God, that we honestly so often take for granted, that we honestly so often bypass so flippantly. But yet, God, I pray today that every heart and soul here would be alive and awakened in the reality of our ongoing salvation in Jesus Christ, that he did save us, that he is working in us. And, oh, God, that you have so much more in store for us today. For the discouraged here today, God, I pray you'd encourage them and breathe life into an empty soul. God, for those that aren't saved in Jesus Christ, I pray, oh, God, today that you'd help them see that the greatest glory of, of Jesus is not in religion. It's in God at work in me. For those who have fallen off the boat, oh God, I pray that they'd be humble enough to reach out to you right now and say, oh God, I want back on the boat. I cannot do it anymore. I can't tread water. I can't do it. God, help me on the boat. And Jesus, I know you'll reach out and pull them back on the boat. And even for those that are sailing along, God, and they're doing so well in their Christian faith, it's by your grace. In their relationship with you, it's by your grace. And so God, I pray for them that you'd help them see their confidence is only in you. You keep them low that you might raise them high, God. And for all of us, Lord, I pray that our lives would be a reflection of Jesus Christ to the world around us, that we would live on purpose, God, for your glory. Thank you, Jesus, for saving us. In your holy name, amen.